Hello and welcome to the Empathy for Breakfast show. I am Mimi Nicklin and I am your host of a show that travels the world, talking to people from all corners of our planet about empathy, about our ability to connect and to understand each other and how that is changing our world. These conversations won't only unpack the amazing power of empathy in our societies and our businesses, but they will remind us that we are all far more alike than we are different. I believe that there has never been a better time to talk about empathy, to talk about our need to reconnect as people, as human beings. The more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. So let's get talking. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Empathy for Breakfast show. Today, I am joined by a lady all the way on the tip of South Africa, and I'm incredibly excited to introduce Chef Zola to Empathy for Breakfast. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this lady because, oh my, she has been on a journey. So Chef Zola is based in Cape Town in South Africa, somewhere very close to my heart. And where her story is so interesting is that she started by studying economics for a couple of years before she realized that that wasn't the right career for her. And she actually had a much greater passion for the culinary art world. She then completed her first cookbook back in February 2016 called Simply Delicious, which she says is just a regular book about basic food that represent her love for nature, her family and the people in her life. She has gone on from there to become the food stylist and resident chef of one of South Africa's leading breakfast shows, Espresso. She now has her own cooking show called Celeb Feast with Zola. And in 2019, Zola scooped the Best in the World Award in the TV category at the prestigious Gourmand World Cookery Book Awards for her second cookbook titled Simply Zola. Chef Zola, you've been busy. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mimi. And thank you for making me sound so fantastic. (laughs) Well, it's easy. It's easy. I mean, what an amazing journey you've had. And as I said, I'm so excited to have a South African with me today, especially someone that's done as much as you have. So let's talk about empathy and food and all things human. Let's, Let's start off with empathy. What does empathy mean to you, Zola? I guess to me, um, being empathetic or empathy means the ability to put yourself in somebody else's emotional shoes. Yeah, just to to sort of think about how something that, you know, you say or do may affect somebody's mental health. Uh, For me, that's in essence what empathy means to me. Absolutely. Just being able to see the world as somebody else does. And I guess you're doing that so often in in your work. I mean, you've traveled all over the world exploring food and and food culture. Do you think that food helps us understand each other? Does food help us empathize? Absolutely. You know, that's why I love food so much. First of all, food is an emotive thing. I know lots of people sort of see it as just, you know, physical and it's, you know, something to satiate yourself or nutrition, but it is a very emotional thing. If you think about all the times when you remember the best meal you had or even the worst meal you had, you remember everything surrounding that meal, not just the food itself. So that's what what food is for me. And that's why I love using it as a medium of creativity for myself. It absolutely helps me connect with people. I think that food is one of those things that no matter who you are in the world, 
you have in common. You know what I mean? We all have to eat and we all enjoy sitting around a table eating and talking and being social. So that's why I love food. And yes, to answer your question, does food help us become empathetic? In The, the reason why I love traveling the world and why I used to pre-pandemic, uh, of course, is to discover people's culture through their food. And I think that it is the best way to get to know people, to try to understand why people are this, the, the way that they are, reading about the type of food they eat, the type of food they grew up eating, helps you understand somebody's emotional state in present day. I love your answer to that so much, Zola. And it reminds me of when I was writing my book and I wanted to write about Ubuntu, which is so uniquely South African and so perfectly connected to empathy. So I suspect lots of our audience don't know what it is. So perhaps you can tell us a little bit as a South African, what is Ubuntu and how does it connect to empathy? So Ubuntu is a South African term that we use to sort of um, make people understand that a man cannot survive on his own. The key to survival for people is through other people, helping other people and connecting with other people. And that's essentially what Ubuntu is, is that, you know, it's we're all a community and we're all here to help each other out and yeah, guide each other through this, this life. And how does that link to food? I mean, you were saying earlier how food allows you to understand each other and connect each other. Is there such a thing as mealtime with Ubuntu? I mean, what's the connection? I think, you know, the core um, of mealtimes traditionally is a time for sharing a meal. Um, I think that culturally, um, traditionally, we we all ate together. It was always a gathering. Um, there were no such there was no such thing as sort of a couch dinner by yourself. It was always a communal thing, and I think that that's what food is and what food is essentially about. It's about connecting with people through a meal. And actually, you know, more and more now, um, especially since the pandemic started, I think that lots more people are finding um, their way back to how it was in terms of mealtimes and sitting down with your family, with your friends, because we're, we're craving that connection so much more because for a while it was taken away from us. And I think that now we all understand the value of being together and eating meals together and connecting that way. Isn't that so beautiful? I love what you were saying. You know, it's not about sitting on the sofa and eating on your own. That's not what mealtime is supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be this opportunity for us to come together. And I found this study, which I just absolutely love, that shows that food is one of the earliest interactions, obviously, between parent and child, and that the quality of those interactions influences how people respond later in life. So basically what that research shows is that the engagement you have over food when you're a child changes how you respond with emotions later in life. I mean, isn't that amazing? Amazing. Amazing and so so valid, right? It is the very first connection, like you said, that you have to your mother is, you know, meal that she, that she gives you. Incredible. And what do you think? I mean, obviously, I said earlier, you, you started studying economics and you moved away relatively quickly after two years and, and moved into the, the food and the culinary world. Do you think there was something in your childhood and your life that that made you want to come back to to the world of food? Um, yeah, well, I I studied I studied BCom law, so it was economics and law that was my initial de degree. And you're right, I did leave it. <laughs> I did leave it after two years. For me, I think that my my um, love and affinity to food started early on. I just it took longer than most maybe to recognize it. Um, I always remember meal times in my family, my extended family, being such an amazing. 
occasion. I remember even from a very young age, my grandmother and my mom and my aunts all having a laugh and having the best time in the kitchen. And it was always where the life of the party was at any sort of family gathering. And I think I always was like, mm, I always took note of that. I was like, what is going on in there that's making everyone in there so happy? And I think that that's where my connection started. I'm also very fortunate you know, to have a mom who's a really great cook and really loves food as much as I do. And my maternal grandmother also really was a fantastic cook. So I think that my connection to food was formed pretty early on, which I guess um, is very much in line with what you were saying earlier about, you know, it is one of our earliest connections. Um, for me, it just took me a really long time to actually even think of it as a career choice. And thank goodness I did. Thank goodness I spoke up and, and sort of uh, put my passion to the forefront and didn't just continue on a journey that I could have. I mean, I could have, you know, carried on with my studies and done that. Goodness knows where I'd be now, but I'm just so much happier <laughs> doing what I do now. And, you know, connecting with people through food, sharing stories about food, um, traveling the world to connect with people through their food and tradition, etc. So yeah, very grateful for that. Yeah. And like you said, thank gosh, you were brave enough to make that decision. And I think that's such an inspiring story for young people listening today that you just knew, you know, two years in, you were like, hang on, my passion's taking me somewhere else. And you made that leap. And of course, that's resulted in all of this, you know, fantastic journey that's happened so far. I want to talk about South African food. I love South African food. I love a good braai, which is a barbecue for anybody listening. Um, but if food is a symbol of understanding, um, can you talk to us a little bit about some of your favorite South African dishes? And how does that share the South African story or something cultural? teach us something about South Africa through food. Well, I'm so glad that you say you love South African food. Fantastic. We all love a braai here, but you know, we are a rainbow nation, a very eclectic collection of cultures, etc. So there's so much so much when you can talk, you know, when it comes to South African food. For me, for me to sort of sit here and name all my favorites would be here for weeks. Trust me. <laughs> possibly because I'm very greedy and love food but also because my favorite will change from you know day to day emotion to motion hour to hour but if I was to name sort of one thing that for me encompasses South Africa it's milli meal so we call it it's maize meal yeah so the Italian it's like the, the South African equivalent of polenta to try and you know sort of explain it to a global audience milli meal or pop is something that across our many 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 cultures there is a version of that dish that everybody connects with it is very different it's something that we all have in common so for example i am a zulu culturally i'm i'm zulu, of zulu origin um if i were to go to another uh, you know a person of a different culture maybe a sutu person they may not have necessarily grown up eating pap the way that i did um, but it's still recognizable to them as something familiar as would their version of pap be to me so i think that milli meal or pap is one of those things that i think um, definitely connects us in in different ways within our uh, yeah our different cultures, which I really really love, and it's one of those ingredients that's very underrated because it is um, an affordable staple ingredient but you know you can do so much with it I love it I love it I love it too my little girl is three and when she was uh weaning so starting to eat she had a Zimbabwean nanny and so she started eating little balls of mealy pup when she was so small first food yay that's a good start to the world 
good start to life, a good start to any South African uh, life. So Mealy Pup, and, and I've experienced some amazing meals around Mealy Pup and lots of sort of um, insight work that I did across South Africa with different families and different backgrounds and all these types of things. And of course, South Africa is a country that has come out of a great divide. You know, we've had 20 years of far better connection. But other than, than Pup, do you think that meals have been quite a big part of pulling different cultures together? Do you think the braai, which is such a traditional, perhaps stereotypical South African meal, but is there something in shared meals that's helped you sort of heal a nation, as it were? For sure, for sure. I think that food is one of those great healers. Like I said, it is a, a unifier. So it's a great way to bring people together. And yes, as cliche as a bride may be in terms of South African food and what the, the world knows us for, I think that we can proudly hold, you know, brides to be something that we, we're proud of because that's where, you know, people from different walks of life but work together will gather for a bride, you know what I mean? Like that's usually the purpose for the gathering. And that's, I think, how people of different cultures, different races, different creeds, different everything end up meeting and sort of socializing together. So yes, I think that the bride has always been um, a bridging the gap kind of communal feast. There are many, many others. I mean, um, for us um, as, as Black people in South Africa, you know, feasting at funerals and weddings is also a very big communal thing. Um, so those kind of events we also take full advantage of and socialize within those meals and it's so great now to to sort of um I did a, a show with different weddings etc going to you know all sorts of different weddings around the country and it was so great to see how integrated some of the weddings have become yes we still have a long way to go because you know it took a long time for us to get to this point so we still have a lot a lot of growth still but it's 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 always so great to see integration happening and you know walking in the streets of Joburg or in this um yeah in like the the business hub of Joburg and seeing what South Africa actually looks like is always such a such a wonderful feeling but like I said we still have a long way to go but slowly but surely we're going to get there I love that and I love your optimism um I was on a, a radio show in South Africa a few days ago for International Women's Day and the man that was interviewing me said, why should we be positive about International Women's Day here in South Africa when our women have so much violence and, and trauma and with every day? And I was quite taken aback by the question, but I gave a similar answer to, to what you did just now, which was that we need our optimism. We need our positivity. We need to believe in change. We need to believe in the momentum and anything that can pull us together in that shared understanding of each other. You're talking about weddings or, you know, the, the humble barbecue as, as known as a braai in South Africa. It's fantastic to see the change happening. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I commend you for answering that that question that he asked you, because it is a difficult question to answer, especially, you know, being a South African woman, knowing that, you know, every day we live as an endangered species, but somehow we, we have to get up and keep moving and keep living and hoping that things are going to get better because um, sort of sitting in your fear and sitting in pessimism doesn't actually help you move forward. So Yes, there's lots of gender-based violence in South Africa, but, you know, there are a lot of women speaking out. There are a lot of us going, just stop, see us, you know, protect us. And um, hopefully we're moving in the in the right direction. So, yes, it is worth celebrating Women's Day, even in South Africa, because, hey, I'm a woman, I'm South African, and I'm still here, and we are worth celebrating. Absolutely. <laughs> Go Shazola, message of the day. I absolutely love that. Now tell me, you are one book ahead of me, right? So you're also an author. How on earth 
did you choose what dishes to put in your books? Because I can't imagine having to choose a handful of, me- of recipes to go in a book. What was the process like? Um, yes, it is a very difficult process because I mentioned before, I am, I love food in general. So I love a lot of food. But I chose my, my well, I created my books as um, a way of chronicling my life journey told through food. Because food has always been a big part of my life. So it's a sort of like a biography, but in food form. So my first book sort of starts on the type of food that I grew up eating, that my grandmother cooked for me, that my mom taught me how to cook. Then as I evolved, as I got older, I I got, you know, outside experiences, travel. I studied to be a chef. So my skill set changed and my abilities changed. So I I choose my recipes according to the different stories in certain time timelines of my life. So in my in my second book, I was a single girl then, um, cooking for one, living alone, realizing how hard it is actually to cook for one because I was, you know, in a relationship and cooking for, you know, more than one person for so long. And then suddenly I'm like, oh my goodness, this is really difficult and can get boring. So that phase of my life sort of influenced that chapter of my book. There were a lot of people asking me about gluten-free things. So my book sort of chronicle my life changes, my life stages as they happen through food um, and yeah every recipe has a story to go along with with it so I guess that's the process is finding um, you know recipes that actually mean something for a reason and affect me in a time frame in my life and that's how I know they belong in my books oh amazing I, I love the idea of chronicling your life through recipes I think I might try and do it just for fun yeah I should especially because I went vegetarian at 18 so nearly 20 years ago I've been vegetarian but it would be so interesting to look at my recipe chronicle because pre-18 I ate all kinds of food that obviously I never then ate again so a fascinating way to sort of map your life um really really so chef Zola thank you for coming on and joining me today I have one final question for you which is my favorite question because the goal of the podcast is of course to talk about empathy and humanity and connection but also to get to know you a little bit as one of my very special guests so my last question for you today is if you could share breakfast with any one person or people who would it be where would you go and what would you be eating oh i love that question <laughs> i love it um and for me it's a relatively uh, easy e- easy answer for me i would have to say it would be my maternal grandmother oh i'd love both my grandmothers but let me say my maternal because you said one person i'm sure they'd actually be good with, at breakfast with you but anyway <laughs> they both pa- did pass when uh, pass on when i was very very young but my maternal grandmother who i recall teaching me one recipe um, before she passed on she never got to see me become a, a chef she never got to taste my food she never got to um, experience me you know falling in love with food and following my passion around food so i'd love to sit down for breakfast with her and actually cook her something and one of those things would definitely be the uh, mealy bread recipe that she taught me how to make when i was very very little and i remember it so vividly yeah and just have a conversation with her about her life journey to you know, told through food because I never really got to know her and she never really got to know me. So I think that that would be such a gift to be able to spend breakfast reminiscing with my, my grand. Oh, what a beautiful answer. And again, just a perfect example of how food brings us together and just helps us understand each other, understand each other's journeys and our outlooks and how we see the world and how we've lived it. 
So Chef Zola, I am so grateful that you joined me on the Empathy for Breakfast show to talk about your life and food and all the wonderful things in between. Thank you so much for being here. And I really hope that we can talk again soon. Mimi, you are an absolute delight. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the time. Thank you for the amazing work you do, this positivity that you spread. We all appreciate it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And with that, another episode of the Empathy for Breakfast show comes to a close. I would like to thank IQ Films, who produced this episode, and DJ Ciel for my soundtrack and music. Do join me online to carry on the conversation. I'm incredibly active on Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter, at Mimi Nicklin. I would love to talk to you all more. Meanwhile, spread the word, share the empathy. Because after all, the more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. I'm Mimi Nicklin. Thank you very much for tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you again on the Empathy for Breakfast show.